You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland, Titans fans. It is a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast, and we have a lot to go over today. To start, the Titans roster has finally made their decision on whether or not they will participate in voluntary off-season workouts. So I'll go over what they decided to do and what it means for the team going forward. And then we got news on Tuesday about a Tennessee Titan who I think has been one of the most underrated players on the team for the last five to seven years, deciding to sign with a new club, and that was defensive tackle Daquan Jones deciding to move on and join the Carolina Panthers. I will explain why that's bad for the Titans, but also good for the Titans. And then we will cap off today's show diving into the first position on the defensive side of the ball in our 2021 Locked on Titans NFL Draft Preview as we talk about the lowly downtrodden interior defensive line class. So a lot to discuss on a Wednesday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast. Let's get it! few weeks of the offseason, we have seen different NFL teams come out and their players collectively release a statement through the NFL Players Association, essentially saying that the players are opting out of any voluntary offseason workouts at the team facility and All of the players on all of the teams that have chosen to do this have cited safety and health concerns around the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, we have been awaiting what the Tennessee Titans would do on that front as we hadn't heard their collective decision as a roster, but we finally got that on Tuesday. So I want to read this statement to you guys as the Tennessee Titans as a group, all of their players collectively decide to opt out of the voluntary workouts during the off-season program. And this is what the statement had to say, quote, We have come together as a team and have had several conversations about what is best for the players in our locker room. Based on the injury data from the previous year, along with the facts and recommendation provided by our union, we are in solidarity with other players across the NFL who will exercise their right not to attend in-person voluntary workouts. We understand that some players will need to be at our facility for different reasons during this time, and we respect the right of every player afforded to us in our CBA, end quote. So, just your standard statement there from the Titans, hey, you know, we're following suit with the rest of the players in the NFL, the rest of the teams that are doing this and opting out. It's just a sign of solidarity, a sign of unity, and it's not surprising when you consider all of these players play for different teams, but they are all under the same players' union. Now, what is most interesting from this statement, in my opinion, is the last sentence, and I'll reread it to you here. Quote, We understand that some players will need to be at our facility for different reasons during this time, and we respect the right of every player afforded to us in our CBA, end quote. So, what does that say? 
Well, that means that certain players will be in the building, whether that's getting strength and conditioning work, whether that's rehabbing uh, certain injuries or certain ailments that they had, whether that be getting some voluntary work in out on the field on their own without coaches or anything like that. Basically, in my mind, this statement is theater. It's window dressing. It's, hey, rest of the league, rest of the players, we're with you guys. Hey, but some of our guys are probably still going to you know, go in and do the workouts. Here's the reality of the situation. I talked about this when this first started happening, but I'm going to just reaffirm it for you guys. This, this opt-out of voluntary workouts has nothing to do with health and safety. It has everything to do with veteran players, one, not wanting to go into work and wanting to do things on their own time, which may be the best way for them to do it. But these veteran players don't want the young players going in and working in the facility with the coaches when they don't want to. This is like this is like if you're on a basketball team and you're doing conditioning drills. And you have that one guy, that one guy who's really just working way harder than everybody else. You're tired, you're at the end of practice. I'll give you an example from my day. I played basketball in school, and I remember specifically in a middle school basketball practice, we had one player who was a bench player. Kid didn't play a lot, didn't get a lot of minutes. We're out there running five-on-five scrimmages, trying to get better uh, in practice, and this kid doesn't play. Not a bad kid, not a kid I disliked at all, but Once we were done with those scrimmages, we finished the practice with conditioning drills. Well, he didn't just scrimmage for the last hour and a half. So he's feeling energized and he's just absolutely running as hard as he possibly can during the suicides, making everybody else look bad, because we're all tired from scrimmaging. He didn't really practice that hard and now he's, you know, running as fast as he possibly can. Now, there's no problem with working hard, but he made everybody else look bad. So the veteran players in the NFL know, hey, if we just skip voluntary workouts, which they're voluntary anyway, why do you have to announce that you're not attending voluntary workouts? Well, you only do that because you want everybody on the same page so you don't look bad for not going to the voluntary workouts. This is theater. The veterans in the NFL don't want the young guys to go in and work with coaches and get development time, blah, 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 when they don't want to. It would be best for the veterans in the NFL if they, one, didn't have to go into the building for off-season voluntary work, and two, didn't look bad for not going. So if you can get everybody to not go, then you don't look bad for not going, and most importantly... A young player doesn't get accelerated development, doesn't garner favor from the coaching staff, and doesn't ultimately take a veteran's spot. So all of this is just to protect the veteran players, which is why that last statement saying that we know that some of our players will have to go in, that to me is, hey, some of these young players are going to go in because they know that's what's best for them. But if we collectively make a statement that we're not going to voluntary workouts, which is weird anyways, then maybe we won't look as bad as veterans for not going. So to me, it's all theater, but 
one way or another, I expect every team to make some sort of statement like this, but the last sentence of the statement basically makes it pointless, in my opinion. But we are going to continue forward, talk about Daquan Jones moving on from the Tennessee Titans, and while on one hand that's good, but on the other hand, that's bad too. So we'll discuss that next, but I do want to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at a fair price point. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be allowed for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Also, want to tell you guys about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars in the galaxy. We've been working with Built Bar for quite some time now. I don't know what else I could possibly say to sway you. They have a ton of different amazing flavors with different textures. All their bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're great for any health conscious guy or girl as well, being low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They can go with any diet. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Once again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Well, Titans fans, I have to admit, I got sad on Tuesday as I got the news that Daquan Jones would not be coming back to the Tennessee Titans and that he would be signing with the Carolina Panthers on a one-year deal. I'm going to break down how that's good and bad for the Tennessee Titans, but before we do, got to remind you guys that this year the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insights and analysis from the Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May the 1st. So, Let's break down this Daquan Jones news. As I said at the top of the show, it is my opinion that Daquan Jones is one of the most underrated Tennessee Titans of the last five to seven years. Of course, he's played the last seven seasons with the Tennessee Titans, played in 99 games, was incredibly durable for the Titans, had 235 tackles and nine sacks in that time. Now, of course, the box score is not going to paint the whole picture 
for Daquan Jones, who was pretty much a run stuffer at the best points in his career for the Titans. Now, he did help the Titans in the pass rush. He was able to run games and run stunts and run slants, but never was really truly effective in that arena for the Titans. He was primarily a run stuffer, but did a fantastic job and had a bunch of really, really critical moments for the Titans along the line of scrimmage and some of their biggest moments with those fourth and one stops, those goal line stops. Daquan was always right in the middle of that action, and he's somebody who I personally uh, made sure to put out a bunch of tape on whenever he was displaying his versatility or having good games. Wanted to make sure I highlight an interior defensive lineman because those guys don't get a lot of credit, don't get a lot of shine, especially somebody like Daquan Jones playing next to Jeffrey Simmons. It's understandable, but Daquan has been one of my favorite players of the John Robinson era, and I just wanted to make sure that I took some time to give him a shout out as I like to do on Twitter as well. But He did sign a one-year $4.05 million deal with the Carolina Panthers, and I was shocked Daquan Jones got more money than Jayon Brown. That blows my mind. That truly does. But either way, it's a bad thing because right now, if you look at the Titans' defensive tackle roster, we got Tyre Tart, Larell Murchison, Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, you got guys like Julian Taylor and Dalen Mack on the roster, but they're, they're camp invites. I'm not going to count on them as actual actual contributors, even on the back end of a roster. So you got Simmons, you got Autry, you got Tart, and you got Murchison. Those are the real guys that I'm paying attention to. In my opinion, the Titans need more help there. Now, I don't think that they need to spend a first-round pick, although we are starting to get some buzz that the Titans could be looking at Christian Barmore, maybe Levi Anwuzariki, which are names that we are going to talk about in the next segment when we break down the interior defensive line class. This is a really terrible class for interior defensive line. So if the Titans do want to get an impact player at that position, they would most certainly have to do that in the first round or maybe trade up in the second round to do so. So something to watch. I don't really believe that news, but something to watch. But it points to something that I'm saying. The Titans do need a little bit more on the interior defensive line. Now, based on what I'm talking about, here with the draft class. I don't think that they should draft someone in the mid-rounds, maybe take a flyer on somebody late, but the reality is the Titans have gotten pretty good production out of undrafted free agent interior defensive linemen over the last few years. Think about Isaiah Mack out of Chattanooga. You think about Tyre Tart from last year. So I would rather the Titans go for an undrafted free agent or potentially sign a veteran for really cheap after the draft and after the cutoff for comp picks, which speaking of comp picks is what we're going to talk about next. So it's bad for the Titans because they don't have a lot at the interior defensive line right now, but it's good for the Titans for what it will mean for 2022 comp picks. So we have been talking about that recently, and with the signing of Jadavian Clowney to Cleveland, I thought that that might mean the Titans would be looking at a pretty good comp pick. But, you know, I talked to Nick Corti on Twitter. We sussed things out with how the comp pick formula generally works. The problem with the compensatory pick formula is the NFL doesn't release that officially, so we don't know. So any projection or anything like that is just based off historical precedent. So let me talk about why this is good. Daquan Jones signing for $4.05 million with the Panthers will probably net the Titans a fourth round comp pick. And here's why. It's all about cancellation. So the Titans had five players 
that they are four players that they lost originally when we talked about this. Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, Jadavian Clowney, and Desmond King. They had gained four players as well. Kendall Lamb, Kevin Johnson, Danico Autry, and Bud Dupree. Well, now you add a fifth player that the Titans have lost in Daquan Jones, and because his contract is above the cutoff in terms of money, the NFL does have a cutoff in terms of money where, like, Josh Reynolds' deal will not impact the Titans' compensatory pick formula because it's under, you know, $2 million. Now, the NFL doesn't give us the exact number that is the cutoff, but we do know that, you know, the general cutoff line is about three, three and a half, so it it will make it interesting. Will Kevin Johnson at, you know, $3.3 million, will Kevin Johnson, or my mistake, $2.3 million, will Kevin Johnson count towards the compensatory pick formula? Basically, the way that this works is, again, this isn't posted officially by the NFL, but precedent lets us know that the NFL will take about the top 30, top 35 highest value dollar free agents, And that's all that they count in the formula. So Kevin Johnson is right on the line. So right now, the less optimistic view is the Titans will get a fourth round pick because Corey Davis and Bud Dupree cancel out based on their money similarities. Jadavian Clowney and Danico Autry will cancel cancel each other out. Daquan Jones and Kevin Johnson will cancel each other out. And Desmond King and Kendall Lamb will cancel each other out, meaning that the Titans lost Jonu Smith and didn't have anybody to replace him value-wise, which Jonu Smith's contract at $12.5 million will result in a fourth round round comp pick for the Titans. And again, if Kevin Johnson at $2.3 million does not make the cutoff for the NFL and isn't considered a part of the compensatory pick formula, that means that the Titans will get a fourth round pick for Jonu Smith and then a sixth round pick for Daquan Jones. So we'll be watching how the formula works. And here's one thing that I do want to mention though. The cutoff Remember, Jadavian Clowney signed with the Titans last year for a decent-sized contract, but did not affect the compensatory pick formula because he was signed after the NFL's cutoff. May 3rd is the cutoff for the NFL. If a player is signed after May 3rd, they will not count towards the compensatory pick formula. So that's why I'm saying if the Titans do want to add some depth along the interior defensive line, they should either do that with undrafted free agents in the draft or signing of cheap veteran after May the 3rd. But either way, the Daquan Jones signing, while it hurts the Titans because they don't get him back, it does help the Titans get a fourth round comp pick next year. So we are going to move forward and talk about some of the options the Titans could have in the NFL draft at interior defensive line if they, in fact, do want to go that route. But before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Yeah, football might not have games right now, but there are a ton of draft props that you can bet on. Also, the NBA, NHL, and MLB are all in full swing as well. So make sure that you go to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device. Sign up for free today. And use promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Titans fans, we talked about how the Tennessee Titans players have decided to opt out of voluntary workouts in the offseason. We discussed how Daquan Jones moved on to the Carolina Panthers and how that is bad, but also good 
for the Tennessee Titans, but we will allow that conversation about a former Tennessee Titans defensive tackle to lead us into the next installment of the 2021 Locked On Titans NFL Draft Preview as we discuss the interior defensive line group and Quite frankly, it is one of the worst groups we have seen come out in any recent drafts. But before we talk about that, I want to remind you the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaConfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts from every team making trades and picking the next stars for their club. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or where Wherever you get your podcast, Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. All right, folks, let's dive right in. And the consensus, I have not seen anybody select anybody else to be the top interior defensive lineman in this class over Christian Barmore. Six foot four, 310 pounds, out of Alabama. He can play all over the defensive line because of that size and versatility. He's got incredible flexibility for a guy his size, which helps him get around blocks, get into the pocket, create disruption. Really good hand usage as well. He's a guy who doesn't like to stay blocked. He's going to use his hands, create separation from the blocker, and get off and make plays. He also uses incredible length and power, good arm length, good power in his punch, but his motor can run hot and cold. He's not always giving 100% out on the field, it seems. He only had one year of stellar production. Of course, Alabama, there is so much talent. Uh, It took him a while to get on the field, so he's really just a one-year producer. Also, he's not going to be able to play nose tackle for you. It's not something he's comfortable doing based on what we see on tape because he's not a guy who does well taking on double teams. He's not your prototypical anchor nose tackle who's just going to be able to stack up and hold different guys and let the linebackers flow. He's a penetrator. He is a Jeffrey Simmons type, if you want to think about it that way. He's more in the line of that than he would be like a Daquan Jones player. So, Barmore has been getting some buzz to the Titans recently. Saw Matt Miller mention that the Titans could be looking for an interior defensive lineman. The signing of Danico Autry would make me think less about that pick, but if the Titans are trying to get ahead of it, realize that Danico Autry is an older player and want to make sure that they have a stout defensive line at all times, I could see the pick being Barmore from that sense, but I don't really buy it personally. The second guy in this class who I think the Titans would look at maybe in the second round is Levi Onwuzuriki from Washington. He is a prototypical three-technique guy. Uh, Played nose tackle in college, though, but he's going to play three-technique in the pros because he's got good athleticism, great burst off the line of scrimmage, good power in his hands, but he's got slow reaction time. He doesn't really read plays as well as he needs to. He is on the smaller side, which, like I said, kind of pigeonholes him as a three-technique. Doesn't give you the versatility that you want along the defensive line for a guy his stature. He did opt out in 2020. And there were concerns about his pass rush ability. Wanted to see that develop in 2020, but he didn't put anything on tape. So that'll drop him down the board. Next, we have Marlon 
Tui Poo Louie Too, and he is a guy from USC. He's only six foot one, well, close to six foot two, 305 pounds. He is a prototypical nose defender. He can play defensive tackle. He can play nose tackle. Not really going to give you anything as a defensive end. He's got good strength in his hands that helps keep guys off of him. Good hand placement as well. He's a technician in a booth. Uh, he's got three years of experience at USC, so a ton of experience to go off of. We know John Robinson likes that at the college level, but he doesn't really have any pass rush moves to go to. He's not very athletic, and he did slide off the tackles quite a bit, and for a defensive lineman who's pigeonholed as a run stuffer, not being a great tackler is something to be concerned about. Next, you have Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. Now, he's going to give you a lot more as a pass rusher than a lot of these guys, but He's kind of a tweener in terms of his size. He's six foot three, 284 pounds. So that's really light for a defensive lineman, especially somebody that's supposed to play on the interior. He creates good contact or he creates good movement because he's got a lot of power upon contact. He added weight in college as well. He started out even slimmer than he was. So it's important to see that his body can add on some of that weight. And like I said, he's going to be a pass rusher out of the gate, probably a situational pass rusher on the interior because he does have really good polished pass rush moves. Now, at Louisiana Tech, not a lot of competition to go against on a week-to-week basis. Was really a one-year wonder in terms of productive tape. And like I said, he is a tweener. He is on the smaller size, and that means some teams aren't really going to see how he fits in their system. So, something to watch there with Milton Williams. Next, we have Jay Tufele from USC as well. Another defensive lineman from USC in American Samoa. But either way, with Tufele, what you're going to find is an agile guy who's got a great swim move. He does have a go-to move. He plays with great motor and great burst off the line of scrimmage, but he's not a stout guy. He's six foot two, 305 pounds, doesn't have a lot of anchor to him. He's not going to hold up against double teams, not going to be able to set his feet, plant his feet, and stay firm against his blocker. He doesn't have any other moves other than that swim move that's his go-to, and he's not really a guy who gives you versatility along the defensive line. Similarly to um, uh, Tui Pelotu, what you're going to find is he's not a guy who can play nose tackle for you. He's going to be a three technique, a one gap penetrator, but here's the real problem with Tufele. Declined from 18 to 19 in terms of his play. He played worse in 19 than 2018, and then he opted out in 2020. So a lot of teams are going to be concerned about whether or not that development issue is going to continue into the NFL. Next is a guy that I'm pretty interested in for the Titans in the mid-rounds if they decide to go that way. Six foot three, 313 pounds, Davion Nixon from Iowa. He's going to be another one of those one-gap penetrators. He's got quick feet. He's nasty, plays with good mentality out on the field. Very stout for his size. He's really good on slants. He's really good on stunts, which are things the Titans like to do in their defense. Now, didn't have a lot of consistency at Iowa. You saw the splash plays. You saw flashes of production, but he wasn't out there every single down making plays, and he does struggle to shed blocks. Doesn't have the longest arms, so that makes it a little difficult once guys get in on his chest. Next, you have Aleem McNeil from North Carolina State, and he is the prototypical run-stuffing nose tackle who's going to be a gap holder, two-gap guy. He's very quick 
for his size, six foot one, three hundred and seventeen pounds. He can push the pocket backwards with a good bull rush. He does well handling double teams and staying stout, staying balanced against them, but. Not really going to give you anything as a pass rusher. His pads can get a little high for a guy his height at six foot one. You'd like to see him play lower, and he's not really a penetrator. He's just a guy who's going to hold at the line of scrimmage, make sure that you know your linebackers don't get a lot of traffic. He's not somebody who's going to penetrate into the backfield and try to make plays. So as a run stuffing nose tackle, McNeil could make sense for the Titans in the mid rounds next. You have Tommy Togiai from Ohio State. He's another one of these one-gap penetrating three techniques. Very, He stays low. He's got very powerful hands, a really good bull rush. He keeps his feet churning at all times, and that's very important. But he is smaller. He's 6'2", 296 pounds, does not have great length, never played more than 300 snaps in a season, doesn't really provide you a lot of versatility. Like I said, he's somebody who's just going to be a one-gap three technique penetrator, not going to be able to play defensive end, not going to be able to play nose tackle, and when you have concerns about length, you have concerns about production, he doesn't have versatility, this guy who's probably going to drop into the mid to late rounds, I would see him going early on day three. Let's continue though, and we're going to start looking at some late round guys who could be there for the Titans, and next we have Osa Odigizuwu from UCLA, and Osa is an explosive guy, six foot two, two hundred eighty-two pounds. He's another one of those guys who's kind of defensive end, defensive tackle tweener because of his weight at only two hundred eighty-two pounds. He's an explosive guy, very long arms and a strong lower body allow him to kind of compensate for not having a lot of weight on his frame. Speaking of that, his size is obviously concerned. Not a lot of agility for a guy as small as he is that you would want to see for a guy that size. Also, because he is that size, he really struggles to get off blocks. When bigger, stronger offensive linemen get their hands on him, it can really end his ability to make an impact on the play. Next, we have Marvin Wilson from Florida State University, six foot four, three hundred and three pounds. Now, this guy's very interesting to me because in eighteen and nineteen, he played great. And then he declined severely in 2020. Now, he did change systems in college. He was playing in a four-man front. It's kind of a three-technique defensive tackle, nose-tackle combination. Then got changed to a three-man front, playing a five-technique defensive end. And he didn't play as well there. So maybe he's pigeonholed into a 4-3 defense. And that means that he won't have a lot of value for the Titans. But he's got great strength. Good pass rush moves, really good hands, doesn't have a very quick first step, has some stamina concerns as well, needs to work on his conditioning, and of course there's that 2020 season where he really declined in play, but he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, and some team may bank on that talent and see if they can develop him a little bit more. Next, we have Tyler Shelvin from LSU. Now, he is a prototypical run-stuffing, nose-tackle type guy, six foot four. 350 pounds, but that's part of the problem. He had an academic suspension earlier in his career. He was suspended in 2018 for weight concerns. And that's really what I'm going to hit on here. He got as high up as to 390 pounds and his college coach, Ed Ogeron, had to contact his family and try to get a handle on the situation because he was going to ruin his college uh chances if he didn't get his weight under control. So 
obviously a guy that size, really good anchor, strong lower body, can keep his balance, can keep his position. He does have really good burst for a guy his size. Keeps his pads low for a guy his size as well, so you like that. But like I said, the opt-out in 2020, not a good idea for his draft stock. Weight concerns, maturity concerns, professionalism concerns are all going to be an issue there. And he doesn't give you anything in the pass rush. He is just primarily a run stuffer. I would be surprised if he got drafted anywhere prior or anywhere before day three and late day three, sixth, seventh round. And then the last guy I'm going to talk about here is Darius Stills from West Virginia. He's a guy who I just like personally. Probably going to be a priority undrafted free agent. Someone I think the Titans should go after. He's only six foot tall. 278 pounds, but he stays incredibly low, which allows him to win against taller, bigger guys. He's got good loop and good bend for a defensive tackle, which will help in stunts, which could also help in slants, uh, help in games as well, which the Titans like to run. He's just got incredible motor. The guy is always trying his absolute best, always working his hardest, and I appreciate that. He is going to be a pure nose tackle with some good mobility, and the Titans like a guy like Tahir Tart. The Titans like a guy like Isaiah Mack, who kind of undersized mobile nose tackles, so I think Stills would make a lot of sense for the Titans if he doesn't get drafted. He is short. He is small for a defensive lineman. He's not a great athlete for being that small. He doesn't get off blocks very well, but... As an undrafted free agent, I think it's somebody that could make sense for the Titans. But that's going to do it. Overall, guys, this defensive tackle class is absolutely terrible. And I think it would be a big mistake for the Titans to try to waste one of their picks on that. I would rather go with the undrafted free agent route, which is what the Titans have done in previous years with Isaiah McIntyre Tart anyway. So that's what I would like to see them do. But that is the first installment in the defensive side of the ball of our 2021 Locked on Titans NFL Draft Preview. That's going to do it for me today, folks. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked on Titans.